Welcome, welcome, welcome to a brand new episode of the Black Man's Heart Podcast. I am your host, Barry Graves Jr. It's a pleasure to be back with y'all. And um, glad y'all are here today with me, man. I got a lot. We got a lot. We got a big thing, you know, a big story, big show, whatever you want to call it, to share. And uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. I don't know. First of all, I want to send a rest in peace and my condolences out um, um, to the brother who just recently passed. I believe his name is David. Um, um, don't let me get it wrong. David Arnold. Um, rest in peace brother this this brother was extremely talented and uh uh condolences to his family he talked a lot about his family his kids and and it was just dope man to see that kind of energy that kind of honesty on stage um i just started watching the brother uh his comedy maybe about a year or so ago so um uh, definitely rest in peace y'all we got I have a story to share with y'all, and um, it's kind of interesting, you know, we were all young at one point, so first and foremost, my apologies to those who were affected by my uh, stupidity, by my actions, the things that I've done when I was younger, and I, 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 ho- I hope and pray that you are all right. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, because, uh, the things that I had to reflect on for this podcast show, for this episode, it was like, damn, boy, like, you know, um, we're gonna get into it, though, so, first of all, yo, being 19 years old and in the Bay Area at the time of what year was this 1999 so I was 18 no 1897 18 and 97 19 and 98 so 19 and 98 99 I'm like 20 years old just turning 20 so things are and um, I just got back from college in November of 98. Now, we have a whole nother podcast coming up on 1998 because 1998 was just crazy, like super, super crazy. And so 1999, um, I just got home from college a few months earlier, right? Like in November. So we're going to pick this up in January, February, 1999. All right. And this is going to go to about to about December of nine of 2000. All right. So 1999, February ish, March. Um, I am in the process of getting a paternity test. Uh, for a little boy who was one years old at the time 
a girl who I was sexually acting, you know, doing things with when I was like 17, 18, 17, pushing 18. And um, uh, I get back from college and my mother tells me, she's like, yo, some, uh, some, some girl in my, in my program said that uh, you are her sister's baby daddy. You want to tell me what the fuck she's talking about? And I'm like, what? Who? What? You tell you what? <laughs> you know, I think she's playing the joke because my mom is, she's silly. So I'm like, um, no, nah, I don't know what you're talking. She, she tells me the names. I'm like, whoa. She's like, all right. So I'm gonna tell you what you need to do. You need to go down to the district attorney's office already. I'm a like a record scratch. Go to the police. <laughs> Turn myself in for a crime I didn't commit. What? She's like, shut up. Listen, go down to the district attorney's office. You're going to file for custody. Um, Or no, you, yeah, you're going to file for custody. They're going to automatically give you a paternity test. Take the girl with you, with the baby. I did it. We go down to the district attorney's office. Now, let me tell you this beforehand. Uh, I didn't just go tell the girl get in the car with your kid no i i reached out to her and um um i hadn't talked to her in a couple years right and the way things ended with me and her it was kind of scandalous because you know i ain't gonna put it put her out there like that but she was you know she was with the homie so and and i was cool after that so I hadn't talked to her since then. And so I hit her, I'm like, yo, what's, like, what's going on? My mother's telling me this and she's like, yeah, yeah, and you the daddy. I said, so we gotta get a paternity test. She's like, I ain't going on no more, I ain't going on. A... I'm like, nah, we gonna go down to the, to the police. <laughs> we gonna go down to the district attorney's office and uh, file these papers. They gonna swab us and everything. She's like, all right. So I go to pick her up. Now I go to pick her up. And I pull up. Uh, now, at this time, I'm pushing a brand new Eclipse, Mitsubishi Eclipse. Um, long story. No, it's actually not a long story. So around this time, uh, mm, couple months before in 1998 that's why because it happened at the end of 1998 and that's a 1998 story so i'll say at this time i'm pushing a mitsubishi mitsubishi eclipse in 1999 in 1999 these just hit the streets i'm also working at mitsubishi selling cars because i had twins on the way i got a girl pregnant and she's like yo i ain't been with nobody else you the only one and doctor said it's twins. Problem is, I'm carrying one of them really uh, low, or uh, it's 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 in you know not you know it's not in a good position, and this is a high risk type thing. So and because she lives so far away from me, my thinking was, all right, I need to get a job so I can get a spot. But I also need to get a dependable car because at the time I'm pushing a Cadillac. Now my Cadillac, shout out to Pops, shout out to Cletus, man. 
because my Cadillac 1976, 77, blue on blue, with the 12s in the back, man, come on, it clean. But I didn't want to keep putting my Cadillac out there like that. So I'm working at the job one day and it dawns on me, it didn't dawn on me. The manager was like, yeah, yeah, you got kids on the way. Why don't you, uh, why don't you get one of these? Ha ha ha. I said, well, we could do that. He's like, duh, like you work here. Why wouldn't you drive one of our cars? This and this and this, we'll pick any one out that you want. So me, I go to the back and pick out this black one, black on black with like 50 miles on it. And um, um, I called my great grandmother and tell her like, hey, I got this. They said I could get this car. I just need a co-signer. She's like, do you know what you're doing? I was like, yeah, they say I just pay this amount. And she said, yeah, but you got to pay that every month, like no matter what. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, I got this job. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I don't plan on stopping no time soon because I got these kids on the way. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm 19 years old, y'all, with, with like, and this is, I'm, I'm thinking, as long as I have this lined up, there's no way because I got to have this for this. $300 a month, $320 a month. Let's do it. She's like, all right. So she co-signs. I get the car. Wham, wham. Now, fast forward. I pull up. Uh, Double Rock. I pull up in Double Rock, San Francisco. And it's one way in, one way out. I don't, I, I've been a Double Rock before. But I, I, so I've been a Double Rock before, right? When I was um, younger. Now, at this time, I had no reason to go over there. But now I'm over there. So I'm rolling through Double Rock. And it's love. Like, it's all, you know what I'm saying? But I'm pulling up in front of her house in this brand new ass car, shiny. Because every day, almost every other day, I'm getting a detail about, you know, homies and maintenance. So I pull up and this little boy's outside. He's the first person, the only person outside. And um, he pull, I pull up, he's outside, he's standing at the door. And he, no, that was when I picked him up. There was a little girl outside and I pull up, the little girl goes, Ronnie's dad, I pull up and the little girl goes, such and such daddy is here. And she brings the boy out. Um, I see him and immediately I just, like I just reached like I don't think I may have been instinctively just like reached my arms out to him and hold him and um and she's like all right let's go get this test you know mm-hmm. so we go and get the test they swab us and I take him back to the house I was like man is it cool if I come back later and just you know kick it with y'all she's like yeah I don't got no problem with it like she's being like real like this is this is I've never experienced anything like this I've I've had dreams where I had had a kid and felt like that closeness but now it's like oh this could be real like this is real and so she's like yeah she's being cool and everything like, this same girl that smashed the homie I was, I was like all right so I'm come back later so I go to work come back later on at night you know um bring some little whatever and we in the room and laying on the bed 
Nothing happening between me and just laying on the bed with me, her, and the baby, feeding him a bottle, and he's falling asleep with me. Like, like, just, like, like, just, we just laying there, just chilling, just chopping it up. She's like, damn, he, he really likes you. Like, you really connected with him. I'm like, like, why wouldn't we if it's my son? Man, y'all, <clears throat> so uh, that's going on at the time. I'm pulling up, drop riding around in this eclipse, and I got my caddy. Now, at the same time I got this situation over here with her, um, I live in Pacifica. Pacifica is like right there by San Francisco, uh, about 10 minutes away from San Francisco, south of San Francisco on the coast, right between uh, Frisco and Pacifica is Daly City. Now I got family that lives in Daly City. Um, I got family that lives in Frisco. So 1999, let's get it. <sighs> Your boy, from the time he was about 15, 15, I say, 14 years old, 13, 14, I have been dibbling and dabbling in just, what do you call it, uh, shenanigans, just, you know, little lighthearted shit, um, stealing cigars out the store, not really knowing how to smoke them, but just getting a kick out of you know, um, uh, uh, what, what were we doing? Um, bumping the radio on the back of the bus and just having fun, you know, that kind of stuff. But at the same time, at the way that we, and I say we because me, my cousins, and uh, my boys, the way we kicked it a lot of times, we had a little more maturity about us. So even though we were doing young shit at the time, we were emulating a lot of things that we saw older people doing, but we were doing it on a level where we were like, actually uh, getting good at this shit. Like, if if you, it, it was like young warriors in, in training, but we were watching people who were crime bosses, people who were uh, leaders, people who were, um, you know, at the time doing whatever they were doing and, and whether they were failing or succeeding, we would mimic certain things and adapt it to our, our personality just naturally. So naturally you would have pecking orders amongst the crew, not even a pecking order with our crew. It was more like respect, not even respect level. It was more like, you know, that certain people aren't gonna be a part of certain shit. So you know not to even have them in the car with you type thing, right? But me, I was that homie that did it all. Like, I would literally go from a family function to the street, jacking people, going spend the money on groceries for the house for my siblings and, 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 and my mother and them, and then go to work the next day. Like, I was that dude at, like, 8, 19, 18, 19. No, I say 19, 18, 19. Yeah, 18, 19. So, for me, it was a thing of, um, it felt like just this is what being young, being right now, this is what it is. Um, um, making money, 
as long as I'm making money, nobody's saying anything because either the thing in the house was either you went to school or you went to work. Um, you had a job or you went to class. And if you were doing either one of those things, uh, nobody could really say anything to you until you turned 18. See, you. so I started working at 13. By the time I'm 18, I'm in college and out of state. So nobody could really say anything to me until I come home from college. When you come home for a break from college, me, when I would come home for break from college, I was expected to get a job like that. And believe me, my family was in a position where certain things could happen, like a phone call could be made, and I'll, I'll get a call say, hey, show up at such and such at this time, and they're going to put you to work. I'm like, man, shut up. You're gonna, you need to... Uh, all right. Because I'm only here for three months. I just want to kick it. <laughs> Which, fuck. I got to, you know, that's how it was. And depending on where I stayed. So if I stayed at my great-grandmother's house, no doubt. You're not sleeping in. By the time she wakes up, you're definitely going to wake up. Because she's checking to see if you up. Um, Monday through Friday, Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> you're not sleeping in. My great-grandmother, she would do this thing. She would be like, um, get up and walk around. I was like, cause I, cause I had the audacity in, in, um, in senior, in senior, my senior year of high school, the audacity on a Saturday to be like, grandma, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> grandma, I'm tired. I, I, I said that she's like, so seven in the morning, she wakes Barry and the way she calls your name, boy, she'll give you a chance to respond. Really? Like if you were like, you know, waking up, you're like, what's that? Like, you can't even get the, what's that? thought out of you before your name was called maybe two more times Barry 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 boy you hear me call and I'm like yeah <laughs> it's a three-story house I'm on the bottom floor she's on the middle part she's yelling from the stairs and uh, she's like get up it's, you know it's Saturday get up wake up <laughs> I said I said well grandma I'm tired I, you know off work I <laughs> he said, well, get up and walk around. <laughs> I said, no. I said, I'm, I said, Grandma, I'm tired, though. It's nothing to do. Because <laughs> literally, there was nothing to do. The house was clean. The house was clean. I knew there were no dishes in the sink, y'all. <laughs> I knew there were no dishes in the sink. I said, Grandma, there's nothing to do. She said, well, get up and walk around. I'll never forget that. She said, well, get up and walk around. I got up out of bed, walked all the way upstairs to the top floor. She's had the table opening up mail or something. And I remember literally walking around and walking back downstairs. She said, you better not go get back in that bed. Now, this is at my grandmother's house, great grandmother's house, rest in peace. At my mother's house, is if you were working and contributing or going to school or even if you weren't at times you could sleep in but you didn't want to do that at my mother's house because there would be so much going on like my siblings were young um, um, at the time my mother had just gone through a traumatic experience and was you know dating and it just didn't, I just, I did not want to be there 
all the time because so much was put on me. So much was placed on me, like clean the kitchen, clean the house, clean the room, clean the, um, um, you know, watch your brothers, watch your sisters, you know, watch, make, go pick this person up, uh, help me do, the, you know, all of this stuff. And it was like, at the same time, um, who is this dude? And, and, you know, but then at the same time, the streets are calling. And I'm like, you know, how do I, I can't bring them with me. So, and I also got to protect them. And I also got to let them know that, you know, my siblings got to let them know that they're looked out for. So I got to be over here, but at the same time, I'm living at my great grandmother's. So I'm living in two different places at this time. I have a room at my mother's house, a room at my great grandmother's house, two cars, two kids on the uh, twins on the way and I'm getting a paternity test for a one-year-old. <clears throat> and I'm 19 years old, just turned 20 in January of 1999. So let's go. March comes and I'm just leaving work. I remember leaving work, going to my mom's job to drop something off to her or whatever. And there was this girl outside hella cute look like a little janet jackson almost like real cute dress cute and everything by just by herself looked like she was waiting on the bus or something and she probably was i don't know so i come out from uh i walk in and i see her say what's up smile whatever she says what's up smile whatever i go upstairs see my mother i come back down she's still out there so i'm like you know i'm not, i was always shy I'm a, I never was good with the cold approach. I was always kind of shy, you know, I didn't, I, you know, I don't know. But as I started, uh, I'd say as I became more confident in myself, I'd say maybe around 17, 18, um, I, would, I would start speaking more. My cousin Eric told me, rest in peace, he told me when I was, uh, middle school that all a girl could do is say no but that didn't sink in for me that didn't sink in until the confidence boosted the confidence had to get had to be where it was for me to actually put that into into practice um to believe it <clears throat> anyway holla at it like hey do you want you where are you going she was like I'm going to Lakeview I said like, man jump in you want to ride I'm going that's I'm from there. She was like, yeah. I was like, oh. It's never happened to me before, neither. She jumps in, and we riding, we listening to music, we just chopping, you know, just talking. It's real cool. Like, I'm, I'm the coolest. <laughs> Listen, I ain't one of them creeps. You jump in my ride, you safe, baby. You good, buckle up, we good. You know, we laughing and everything. So we get to the spot, drop her off, and um, she's like, I like you, so, you know, what's up? Were you, you, you trying to kick it? I said, what you want to do? She was like, let's go to the movies or, what, or something like that. I was like, all right, for sure. So, like, a day or so later, she hits me. We go to the movies. And um, we're in the movie theater. You know, it had to be, like, a few days later, like, maybe that weekend or something. And um, I go and pick her up. We go to the movies watching uh, Life. I went to see that movie like five times in the movie theater when it came out. Yo, I love that movie. So I'm in the movie theater with her and I get a call on my phone and 
it's the girl who is pregnant with twins. I'm not gonna say her name. She's the girl who's pregnant with twins. And she's saying something to me. And I can't hear her. And I'm like, hold on one second. I'm gonna step out. I'm in the movie theater. I'm gonna step out. So I go out and um, I like walk over to the side. And there was a part in the movie where it got quiet. And I go, now what did you say? She goes, I lost the, I lost the kids. I lost the babies. I had a miscarriage. And I just immediately was, was just sad. Um, I went and sat back down. Told the girl, I was like, hey, we got to go. I'm sorry. We got to, you know, we got to go. And she was like, oh, are you all right? Is everything all right? And I was like, yeah, you know, just... I'm not, I'm not feeling good. Whatever. Drop her off. She was real cool about it, too. I didn't talk to her after that. I don't, you know, peace to her, too, because she was a cool-ass girl. Um, I go to the house, and I call her. She's telling me about what happened, and, and you know, I'm just sad. Literally crying myself to sleep because I had names written down y'all I the reason I even got this job to get and bought this car and um, um, looking for uh, places to live and things like that is because I have kids on the way um, I, have, I have a son possible one-year-old son and any day I'm gonna find out if he's mine or not I wake up my mother knocks on the door you got uh, you got a package I think it's the results <clears throat> this fat uh, manila envelope from the district attorney's office and so I open it and I'm reading it and it's not like the <laughs> it's not like the, the the talk shows and everything where they're like you are the father you are not the father they're using this clinical language and I you know I had to ask her to help me read it because I didn't either I didn't know or I didn't want to believe what I was reading and she my mother looks at it and she I knew that bitch was lying I knew <laughs> I knew I, I could look at her and tell now listen listen y'all this is no disrespect to the girl no disrespect at all um I took her and the baby over to my father because during the time after I uh met them I was spending time with the with with her and the little boy. Like it was never a moment where it was just me and him. It was always me, him, and her. And there was maybe like a handful of times that we would kick it, just go out and do something, or um, just chill. You know, just like on some on some family shit. You know, on some this is my crew. Like I'm letting you and everybody, everybody in Double Rock, nigga. Er <laughs> That's how I was at 19, y'all. I was popping up, just just rolling up to, to, to Double Rock in my Cadillac. I had my boys in the car sometimes. I had, it be just me most of the time. I'm, I'm, everybody, I'm, hey, peace sign to everybody. And when I'm coming through, they, they, they getting familiar now with me. Like, nah, everybody gonna know that this is my, this is me right here, nigga. Like, you know what I'm saying? Nah, none of that fuck shit around my son. None of that shit. She got gang of sisters. A mama that, you know, be on that rah-rah shit. Hey, fuck all that. I don't give a fuck. I'm over here. No, I wasn't like that. I wasn't disrespectful. I was, like, 
on borderline arrogant with my shit. You know what I'm saying? Because I have to protect these, this girl and this baby. So, um, me and the baby are bonding. And my mother go, I knew she was lying. No, now let me rewind. I took them to see my father. Uh, rest in peace to my pops. I took them to see my father, Barry Sr. And, <laughs> and um, he's like, hey, son. He comes down, is this the baby? Hey, hey. And he's saying hi to the girl. Hey, how you doing, baby girl? How you doing? And so, you know, he, we visit for a minute. And then uh, we leave. And um, so my mother is reading the thing. She goes, I knew she was lying. I knew, knew it wasn't your baby. I said, that's what that says? She said, Barry, look. <laughs> and she, I, I just, it's like I'm, I'm numb. I'm fucking numb. I don't want to, this shit is not registering to me. It's not. What do you mean I just I just lost my twins last night and this baby that I've been bonding with is not mine? What the fuck is going like I it was so fucking numb. It was so fucking just all at once, literally happening overnight. And um, then I got angry. I got angry. I grabbed the papers, put them back in the envelope, told her thank you. I had tears in my eyes. I get in my car, smash over to to her house, and now he's 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 staying. He's he's able to walk now. <clears throat> he's walking. He's outside uh, with his cousin, and uh, he's standing there at the gate as I pull up, and he's he has the saddest look in his eyes. Just the saddest fucking look. And in, 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 in inside, it felt like he knew. Because he, one years old, fucking one years old. And when I pull up and he, me and him make eye contact, he just looks down really sadly. And it took me a minute to get out the car. It took me a minute to get out the car. I walk up and his cousin goes, Ronnie, uh, his cousin goes, your daddy is here. Your daddy is here and he doesn't look up. I say, hey man. And he's just looking down at the ground real sad. And I walk inside with the envelope in my hand. I walk inside and she's like, yeah, I know, I already know. And her mom is like, he know what? And she goes, he ain't the daddy. I told you he wasn't the daddy. I already told you he wasn't the daddy. I knew he wasn't the daddy. And then, mm, but you made me, because mm, mm, you wanted one. Mm. And I was, I'm watching all of this. And then her mom, she's like, Barry, is that what that says? I said, yeah. Well, I just nodded my head. I'm so fucking angry. But I, I, I'm, I'm, y'all, when she said, I knew he wasn't the daddy. I froze like I and when she's Barry is that true I had to like almost snap myself out so I'm like nodding and she's you hoe ass bitch and she's just calling her all 
I walk away, walk out the door to them screaming, close the door, you can hear them screaming. And he's still standing at the gate with his head down. And as I'm walking up to him, I go, all right, man, I'll see you later. I love you. And I'm, I get in my car. He walks back and he turns and walks slowly into the house. And I drove off. Heart eyes, just crying my fucking eyes out. Heartbroken, crying my eyes out. Damn, they want to cry right now. Because me and that baby were bonding. We, like, in my eyes, that was my son. I, I just needed the confirmation because he was, I'm, I'm like, man, when can I take him to meet the rest of my family type shit? She's like, you need to slow down. Like, we don't even know if he's yours. This is how I'm moving. So, I go back to work at the car dealership. Now, at the time, me and my partners and my cousin, we we are out. We are, we are what y'all, we are what we identified as the hot boys at the time because uh, the hot boys had just dropped their shit. And... Uh, we was on fire. <laughs> we were doing the hottest shit in the fucking world. Not bragging or anything like that. It was very traumatic what we were doing to ourselves and other people. Um, but like I said, we were getting away with the shit. We, we, we thought we were profiting from it. But really, we were digging a hole. So... Um, after this pain, I'm just, I'm drinking more. Um, this is only like within a week, like a few weeks. Now I say within like a month, within a month. I'm drinking more, partying more, kicking it. And um, the situation happens at the dealership where a man comes in with his two kids and his wife. Maybe one kid. I think his daughter. He had a daughter and a wife. Little girl. Uh, Mexican family. Lived in the city. He's like... Um, and I'm handling, you know. Greet him on the lot. He's like, yeah. You know, I'm showing him, you know. Well, what, what's your budget? What are you looking for? He's like, I'm, I just need a car. I just want your cheapest car on the lot. I just need something for me and my family. And I understood exactly what the fuck he meant. I understood what he meant. I don't want my family. I can't have my family. The, for what we need, I have to. Have, we have to have this. We have to have transportation. I understood that shit, and I found him literally the cheapest car on the lot. Now, granted, it took some work to get him into that car, but we got him into the car. He left with the car that day. Uh, it wasn't a week later before this man comes back with the car and he's like um, he's like brother you sold me this car and and, and, and you know he's real humble but he's upset and he's like uh, the transmission and this and this and this he's like it's, it's, it's not a good car and I said what like I felt bad for like I'm like the fuck you mean we sold you a bad car man hold on one second and I went to talk to my manager hey bro this dude is saying we sold him a bad car. What the fuck? 
We can't be selling bad cars in this bitch. This man needs it for his family. What the fuck? I'm not cussing like that or nothing, but I'm I'm telling him. <laughs> I'm telling him like, yo, this man is saying we sold him a bad car. I know he's lying. Tell me he's lying because if we sold him a bad car, we got to get him into something better right now. My manager's like, Barry, we can't do that. He bought that car as is. He he drove it off the lot. The minute he drives it off the lot, any repairs are up to him. I said, hell no. He said, that's how it is. He starts raising, that's how it is. That's that's, that's, that's what it, you need to know what you're, what you're selling and how to. I said, wait a minute. You mean to tell me we can't take him? We can't give his car to our maintenance crew and they can't just fix this shit real quick? A fucking overheating system, like transmit. We can't do that. He's like, no, man. Get the fuck out of my face. Go tell him we can't help him and get back to work. I said, all right, all right. I go out. I tell him, man. Listen, bro. I'm sorry. They're telling me that there's nothing that we could do because once you drove it off the lot. It's up to you. It's, it's on you to repair. And he's like, man, I can't believe this shit type shit. And I'm like, man, I, I wish there was something I could do to help. And I'm sorry that I put you in this situation. I'm, I'm, I feel responsible for this. And I'm sorry. And he, he leaves. I walk back in uh, in the dealership and I quit. I told him I, I, I'm not... I'm not doing this shit. I'm not taking advantage of people. I'm not, I, fuck that. I didn't know that's what this was. Like, I, you know, we're selling cars to people with money, but when someone comes in here, we sell them a piece of shit, we should at least be able to help them out a little bit with the tools or with the equipment that we got, all of this shit. Like, the fuck? And so, I quit. Um, I got another job, like, uh, that next day. Uh, I applied to a big and tall store around the corner at Ceremony. And um, and they hired me like almost on the spot. They're like, oh yeah, you can start like this weekend. <laughs> I was like, all right, for sure. So I'm working at big and tall and this should last for maybe about, I'd say a month. Because while I'm working there, I didn't know that some of the other employees were, you know, doing the fast shit. So corporate ends up firing the whole store. Now, in the in this whole in, in, within this 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 two month period between me finding out that I'm not the father and losing twins, uh, it's been like two months. Um, that's between now and getting fired or losing this second job. And. Um, so now I'm, I'm, I'm in the streets. It's summertime. I'm in the streets. And um, I had to give my car to my mother because I couldn't keep up on the payments. And uh, so it was me back in the Cadillac, back in the streets, um, going at it. And what I'm doing in the streets, y'all, is I am robbing people. Um, Murphing them out, pulling the BB gun out, because it looked real, pulling the BB gun out, whatever it was, robbing, robbing folks, just, you know, and uh, using the money and, and, and putting groceries in the house, 
putting uh, gas in the car to keep it going. All of this shit. And um, so this one particular time, this one particular time, um, this one particular time, I am, well, let me say this. Up until this point, I had been, I I started to get a little sloppy. Um, We get caught here and there for little things. Um, I can't remember all of them, but I know I I went to court maybe two or three times that summer. Um, Little petty stuff. And um, but this one particular crime was the one that stopped everything. Um, this one particular episode where I robbed this man and um, the next day went to buy my first pair of shoes. Uh, first pair of Jordans, I should say. First pair of Jordans. First pair of Air Max, first pair of Timberlands. In that order, that's what I wanted. Um, never had either one of those. And um, I take my little cousin with me because she was graduating high school. Her two partners, she was having a graduation party that night. I was like, hey, I'm going to take y'all to, to the shoe store, get a pair of shoes, get you a pair of shoes, and, and y'all, y'all, your partners could get, like, all y'all can have matching shirts. He was like, oh, cousin, for real? I was like, yeah, and we're going to go to Tower Records and get some CDs for your party, cuz. I got you. She was like, what? Just hella excited. Picked up my cousin and, and uh, my, my, my road dog, and me and him went to go pick her up and her little friends. They jumped in the back, took them to the mall. And I'm doing the big bro thing, you know what I'm saying? Because her brother, rest in peace, um, was murdered when I was 13. And I was like, man, this is what I could do to help. She, little cousin, is graduating. Feel like doing a big bro thing would be the only, we can only, you know what I'm saying? Why not? I'm going to Tower anyway. Bring, bring cousin. They go wild in Tower. We get like hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of CDs at the time, y'all. Stacks and stacks and stacks of CDs. We go to to the mall and uh, go to the shoe store. I get my shoes, they get theirs. We go to the counter, bop. Now, I tell them, y'all go wait over there, I'ma ring it up. Now, my cousin is standing next to me. I got the car, I get the people the car. Now, on the car was not a name that looked like a name that I should have. Just say that. It was a very Asian sounding name. And they're looking at me in the car, looking at me in the car. My cousin starts laughing. He said, nigga, let's go. I said, no. And now at this store, they got the little earpieces like referees and shit. And I don't know that they're talking to someone on the phone. I. You just, you know, whatever. I don't fucking, I, I, you know. So, I'm like, nah, it's good. So my cousin's like, nigga, I'm out. So he's like, he walks to the door. He comes back. He's like, hey, give me the keys. I'm like, hell no, nah, I ain't giving you my car keys. He was like, blood, come on, blood, you playing. I said, man, this shit is going to work. So they're like, so, uh, sir, your name is such and such. 
I said, yeah, yeah. Uh, my family, you know, we we uh, switched to Buddhism from Baptist. We switched to Buddhism. That's why I got that Asian sounding name. My cousin's like, oh, nigga, you playing? He walks out the store. And so he's like, yeah, uh, just one second. He said, so what's your address? I was like, uh. And so I couldn't remember. But I give him like a street and he's like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, all right. He's like, just one second. And so now I'm starting to get nervous. So I start walking towards the front of the store, towards the door. As I get to the door, there's two security guards in blazers standing on both sides of the door. So um, I just walk up to him. And um, and the black dude is black dude. <laughs> Young black dude, um, a little older than me probably, and and a and a and a and a Latin brother, and he goes, the black dude goes, he goes, uh, don't even think about it, man. And I and I and I'm looking ahead, not even making eye contact with him, y'all, like a movie. I go, I'm not gonna make it, am I? He goes, you see all those guys standing out there with fanny packs and baseball caps. Those are undercovers, man. You're not gonna make it. And I look around, y'all. It was like the fucking Matrix, like like the motherfuckers in the suits, like how they just you now you recognize them. I start seeing like agent, 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 agent. Oh shit! And so my cousin is standing by the escalator, by two agents, but they're not even paying attention to him. Like they're like they're like they're like kind of like looking at me. And it's and, and and one has is touching his ear kind of thing, but he's like ten feet between both of them. So I'm like, they turn around or whatever. As soon as I see him, they turn around, think you know whatever, start walking, and then I I take my keys out and I just slid them across the floor to my cousin. He takes he grabs the keys, he jumps on the escalator like laughing. My my girl cousin is looking hella worried and shit. I go back in the store. And they're like, yeah, uh, we're waiting on, you know, the police, yada, yada, yada. Police come. I get arrested. They take me to um, to the to, to jail, shit, to, to 850. Now, I'm in the holding tank for 19 hours. Just, I'm in there for 19 hours straight. One holding tank. And um, I, I get processed. So while I'm in there, y'all. This is the first time I've been to jail, jail. Like I've been, I've been arrested, detained, let go, given a citation, that type of shit, to where you gotta appear in court. But I've never been booked, like spread your ass cheeks, cough type shit, put this jumpsuit on type shit. It's my first time. So I'm in the holding cell and fucking I called my auntie's house to, to talk to my cousin. Because in my mind, that's where he's at. Um, my auntie's like, nah, he's not here. What happened? Are you all right? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. She was like, just be safe in there. Just hold on, your cousin want to talk to you. My older cousin, Eric, rest in peace. And he's like, he's like, nigga, what you do? I was like, man, I don't even want to tell you right now. He was like, he was like, look, nigga, just, just be cool. You, you good. If anybody start fucking with you, just tell them my name. I was like, all right. 
So, um, um, I get released 19 hours later, right? I get tra- I get processed into another jail cell, um, but I'm by myself in like the old part of the jail. Spend a few hours in there, then get processed up into the into the pod. Soon as I get in there, they tell me I get OR. Now the OR program is a program that my great grandfather um, initiated in California, and it's something I guess they do everywhere now or whatever the fuck. But I get released on his program, which is fucking crazy, right? So I get released. I go straight to my auntie's house to get my car and to see my cousin. Um, I, I call him from the bar station. He's like, hey, mom's got a, uh, got a play for you. Come through. Um, and uh, um, and we won't. So I'm like, all right. So I get over there. Sure enough, my auntie Sharon. Oh, man. Shout out to auntie Sharon. Thank you. I love you so much. Um, auntie had a plate of smothered chicken with the rice and the, man, come on. Um, I'm scarfing that down, scarfing down some Carl's Jr. that I had when I got, before I got to, got there. And my cousin is like, he's like, he's like, come here, bud, let me talk to you. So now I'm kind of nervous because my cousin Eric is crazy. Like he's, he's one of them dudes like, you'll think it's cool, but then he'll sock you out of nowhere for something that you didn't know he knew you did. Right, and he never wanted us to be in any stupid shit. Like, like, put it like this: if you were gonna do something, be smart about it. But don't do nothing stupid. Like, don't, don't be out there fucking up because you you bringing heat, nigga, and you putting yourself in a position to where you gonna end up like us. And he didn't want that for us, so. His, he had this tough love kind of thing and I just knew he was about to punch me so <laughs> so he's like taking me to the room and and he's 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 uh my cousin Eric is like 34 35 maybe and um and he's like he's like so nigga his tone changes kind of like at first he was cool you know while I'm eating and she's like in and out the kitchen whatever and he's like all right come here and so I so, he, so we get to the room he's like so nigga tell me what it, what the fuck did you go to jail for again I said stealing uh uh what did I say for uh using this credit card to buy some shoes what the fuck are you buying shoes for with a stolen credit card I ain't never had a pair of Jordans, and I and I don't got no shoes right now, and 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 I wanted some shoes. He said, "What size shoe you wear, nigga?" I said, "13." So that's the same size shoe I wear. And he turned. I and now his tone gets softer. Now he goes, he go, he turns and he goes, go look in my closet. He said, "Look in the closet and get five pairs of shoes from out of there, and don't touch my pippin." And I was like, he was like, go ahead. And I was like, what? Like, for real? And I, I look in the closet and he, man, like 20-some pairs of shoes at least. I fucking pick out five. Can't remember which ones. And um, 
and he was like, all right. He said, now, if you ever need some shoes, let me know. He said, because we wear the same shoe size. He said, so I, he said, so let me know. I don't ever want to hear about you going to jail, trying to steal no, trying to buy no fucking, or, 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 or jack somebody trying to buy no fucking shoes again. I said, all right. I gave him my word, all right. And I went to the house. Um, after I go to the house, y'all, um, now I'm in the house uh, contemplating this upcoming court date because I'm facing four felonies. Like they're telling me uh, it, it's not looking good. Like the, the, the public defender's office calls me and they're like, man, this isn't looking good, bro. You need to do whatever the fuck you can to uh, to not get arrested again because if you get arrested one more time, bro, like you going, you this, this is looking bad. So I'm like, all right, word is I need to stay out of trouble. I'm in the house, in the house, bored in the house for what, like a month? Um, not really going out. My, 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 my cousin's calling me, my partner's calling me. Hey, when you gonna come kick it? I'm not going nowhere. I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm. I'm, in, I'm, I'm sitting on these bricks, son. If you want to kick it with me, you're going to have to come to the house. So, you know, that's what we did. We partying at the house type shit. I go to, I, I, I wake up one day and um, this is how, this is, this is, this is how, I guess, um, my mind works sometimes or was working at the time, especially, well, I guess sometimes. This is how my mind was working. If you want it, get it. If you want it, get it. Like there, there's nothing in the way. Just go and and get it. Literally, anything you want, take that shit. Even work hard for whatever the fuck it is. Whatever you want, do it. And but it didn't come to me all at once. It come to me in pieces. Like like this feeling of oh shit I can make this happen right now if I just if I just say yes so I wake up one day after being in the house for almost a month and um my court date is coming up um my first court like the the hearing to set another court date that's coming up and so um i wake up one morning nobody's in the house my my siblings aren't there my mother's not there um it's hot and it's probably wasn't even a month later it's probably like a few weeks later and i'm listening to the radio station uh 98.1 kids and um for some like i had always wanted to be a dj I'd always wanted to work on radio, be a DJ, play records for people, um, and that sort of thing. I love music. And um, so, in my mind, someone's like, work for Kiss, be a DJ. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna do that right now. Let me call them. This, I call them right on the spot, like, as soon as the thought hit, yeah. 
Yeah, let me call him. Like, literally, y'all. I pick up the phone and I call Kiss. Um, secretary answers the phone. Like, hi. And she's like, oh, you have to turn your radio down. You must be listening to us, right? Turn my radio down. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I was calling to see if I can be a DJ for you guys. She said, oh. Oh, well, do you have radio experience? I said, no. She said, well, you have a nice voice. Well, why don't you just... She said, let me... Um, let me put you forward to uh, transfer you to someone that can help set up something for you. Thank you. So, transfers me to Wanda Cornelius. Wanda Cornelius uh, answers the phone with this uh, like this just this energy but this just I don't know how to explain it, but it was so inviting, just welcoming, her tone and her just energy. Hello, I just wanted, how can I help you? Just telling her, my name is Barry, I want to work in radio, I want to be a DJ. She starts cracking up laughing, she said, well, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> like, you can't just call up and be like, I want to be a DJ, and we're like, yeah, come get this job. She's like, well, do you have any experience? We're like, no. She said, well, let's start there. He's like, first thing you got to do is get some experience. She's like, how old are you? I said, um, uh, I think I said I'm 20. Because I think at the time I was 20. I was 19 or 20. And um, she's like, well, you would be excellent to the Groove Crew. Why don't you come in for an interview? And um, we'll see what we can do. So I go into the to the radio stage. It's my first time being at Clear Channel. And... Um, I walk up, I see the radio stations there, and I'm getting excited, like, oh shit, I'm in the building. Go upstairs, you see all of the all of the pictures and everything on the wall, and it's real. Get off the off the elevator. Miss Kim is right there. I'm like, hi, you know, I'm here to see Wanda. She uh shout out to Miss Kim. She um Wanda comes, oh no. I'm I'm waiting there and waiting in the in the in the lobby and uh Rennell walks by me fucking I've been listening to her since I was a kid she walks by me Rennell in the morning fuck out of here the zoo crew fuck out of here Rick Chase fuck out of here rest in peace to Rick Chase I'm 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 a, I'm she just walks hi yeah. smile I'm floored Brother comes out, smooth voice. Hi, I'm Jerry, G-Dub, shout out to G-Dub. Hi, I'm Jerry, uh, just uh, take you to meet Wanda. Now, as we're walking through the offices, Jerry, G-Dub, is showing me around. He's like, yeah, this is the, the studio. I'm watching, I think Lisa St. Regis was on at the time. And I'm seeing her for the first time. I'm like, oh shit, that's really her. And 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 he's in the offices in Michael Erickson's office. And she, rest in peace to Michael Erickson. Um, and and uh, and then we get to Wanda's office. Now Wanda is black. Now I, I almost felt this when I was talking to her, but I couldn't tell. Wanda is black with like green eyes or some shit. I'm like, oh shit, she's fucking beautiful. Older than me, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, hey, but I don't give a 
but I, <laughs> but I'm like, but she doesn't give you that fucking impression. You don't think when you see out of obvious. So we get to Wanda's office and my first impression of Wanda Cornelius is this gorgeous, down to earth, funny, charismatic woman can't be my boss. <laughs> Up until then, my bosses have been had been uh, chubby, white just you know typical stereotypical supervisor boss kind of thing but Wanda broke all of those stereotypes um the the culture at KISS was very much you can do anything that you want to do and we're going to help you this is the platform to come to if whatever you want to springboard onto and a lot of people ended up getting into the music industry and the radio into different forms of media um, and communications. Now, after talking with Wanda and G, it was apparent that uh, I needed to take classes. So I was encouraged to take uh, uh, radio classes over at Ohlone College. So for at least, I say about a week, I was commuting out there from Pacifica and uh i gave it up because it just it was too expensive and i wasn't making any money on the groove crew however the experience the experience was second to none i mean i'm meeting james brown uh pete pete escovito and he and i'm getting his drums like like these are these are legends these are people that i never thought i would be crossing paths with like this and when you see him and you and, and you're you know uh, conversing with him, it's like you have so many questions for him. You just want to talk uh, shop with him. It's not even about the person's status. It's like you're a gifted person talking to a master of those gifts. You know that kind of thing. And so I soaked up as much as I could from everybody. I'm in the studio with Lee Baby taking calls, um, you know, getting hit on by older women and just really getting my my ego stroke. Right. And so we come to a point where now I'm with the Groove Crew for almost a month and Renell has a birthday party coming up on the same date that my court date was. Now, G being the 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 fucking the amazing dude that he is he's like man we got to send you to court with something letting him know that you changed that you're not you know that person and so he wrote on the back of a flyer on the back of a, a kiss flyer a letter to the judge and signed it and i left from oakland that morning at Rennell's birthday party with the oakland raiders and uh ktvu and the radio and everybody were doing a live broadcast at uh Kincaid's and I left from there got on BART and went to the police station the courthouse for my trial my, my hearing now at this hearing it was a little different from all the other times I had been to court which scared the shit out of me because 
any other time I had been to court, it was just me standing at a table with my public defender. They would, she and the judge and the prosecutor would speak real fast. And then I would, I would leave, pay my fine or whatever it was, or uh, if, if there was a fine. But this time I'm sitting down at the table uh, with, with my public defender and there are people taking a stand against me the arresting officer, the manager, and lastly, the man whose credit cards it was, the man who we jacked. And the crazy thing about him taking the stand was he never saw my face. He never saw my face. Um, Now, you would think that someone being in a position that this man was in a victim of a robbery, victim of theft, Um, identity theft you would think that he's angry that he wants vengeance but this man y'all he the judge asks him the prosecutor asks him do you recognize this man and he looks at me studying my face for a second and I'm mustering up the most square leave it to beaver expression on my face is that I can get He's looking at me, I'm looking at the judge, the judge is looking at him, then looking at me, and my heart is racing. And he answered her honestly. He said, no, I've never seen this person. But man, my, the air, just fucking, no air in my lungs. Um, Shock, total shock. Uh, After he gets off the stand, the judge is telling me, you know, we're gonna, give you community service and uh, stay out of trouble just you know when you get these community service hours done bring it back with signature and we'll dismiss the case now I'd say about maybe mm, a couple weeks later maybe I don't know short time later I'm doing another event with Rennell and this time it's a commercial in the morning we have to be there at six o'clock in the morning so I'm waking up at about five I get a call at about 5 30 as I'm about to leave walk out the door with my mother I get a call from my cousin and he's like uh I need you to come to the house I need you to come to auntie's house and I could tell in his voice I could tell from the tone of his voice that something was wrong. I could just sense it. And I said, why? What happened? And he goes, man. Now, now understand, y'all, this is at 530 in the morning. He's not talking loud. I'm not talking. We're all we're both talking like, you know, like it's 530 in the fucking morning. Bro, I need you to come to the house. Why? What happened? Man, it's bad. Not again, man. What happened? And he he told me they got Eric. I need you to come through to the house. We gotta go get those pistols. I'm fucking I hang up the phone and my mother is standing there. Uh my great grandmother is near the door asking when we're gonna leave. And I couldn't speak. I couldn't say like I had just talked to my cousin 
um, the night before this happened. The night before this happened, um, I was at the bar station and he called me. Uh, I guess I had just missed him at my auntie's house and uh, he called me or, or texted me. So I call him back and I'm at a pay phone on my way to my great grandmother's house to spend the night so that I could get to the commercial in the morning. And um, he's like, what's up, cuz? What you up to? I'm like, man, nothing about to go, you know, over here to the city, get some rest, do this commercial in the morning. What's up with you? He's like, oh, shit, you know, just, uh, he's like, hey, I need to get them pistols from you. And I was like, well, shit, you want to get them tonight? He was like, nah, 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 I'll just get them from you tomorrow. Hit me when you get done. I said, all right, for sure. He said, I love you, cuz. I said, no, he said, I love you, cousin. I said, I love you, too. That's just what we would say when we, you know, before we leave each other, get off the phone, no matter what. I love you. I love you, too. So I hang up with him. Literally, and I was probably at about 10, 11 o'clock that night. And a short while later, he was in his car by another bar station. Um, one stop away from the one that I was at when I talked to him. In his car, um, waiting on someone to meet up with someone when... He was shot uh, 20 something times. I fucking, I hang up the phone. I hang up the phone y'all and my mother is searching my face for an answer. But I think she already knew. She's like, what happened? And I just mumbled the words, it's Eric. She said, so what are you gonna do? And my grandmother is now making her way up the stairs. Great-grandmother is now making her way up the stairs. Rest in peace to my great-grandmother, Willie B. Kennedy. Uh, legend. Legend. Legendary. Um, making her way up the stairs. And she's now, what's going on? Uh, you know, I got to go to auntie's house. I When I got there, y'all, when I got there, it was just me and my cousin. And, uh... It felt like the house was empty. Like it felt like, it felt dark. You know what I'm saying? We went and got the pistols. We made our stops. And at some point along that morning, and I get over there at like six, at some point in that morning, by like maybe 11 o'clock that morning, we get pulled over by the by the police. They, their car didn't have registration on it. We're in my cousin's, my now deceased cousin's car didn't have registration on a car. They towed the car and we got the pistols on us. They didn't see the pistols. I mean, they, they you know, they didn't search us. They didn't search the car, um, luckily. And we got pulled over at a bus stop. Same bus that would have take, taken me back to my great grandmother's. So that's what we did. Went back to my great grandmother's. I told my cuz, I said, man, I'm, I'm tired, cuz. Like I need to, I need to, I need to pass out. And he said, man, I got to go back to the house. So, and admittedly, like my cousin had a lot of weight on him because him being that close to my two cousins who were just murdered, he's now, he's now, you know, the, the next male heir. Like he's now the next in line. You know what I'm saying? As far as age, as far as everything, he's the one now. So the kids and every like he's, he has a lot of people that he has to talk to and I wanted to be there to be able to go and stay by his side that whole fucking day. But y'all, I had no, 
nothing. I had no nothing. Nothing in me. And I laid on the carpet and I and I fucking I passed out. For the next year, I didn't come out the house. Um, for the next year, I would just go to work, come to the house, drink, eat, and 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 write. Uh, during that time, I wrote poetry every day. Um, just venting, getting shit out. I had no fucking reason. I had no no will to even want to have fun to even want to 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 live to live life i was scared i was scared i was heartbroken i was confused and i was angry as fuck like if you can imagine wanting to kill a motherfucker with everything in you but you don't know who to fucking ki- like you don't know where they are you don't know who to trust because at this time in Frisco, everybody knew everybody. You get what I'm saying? People that were killing people were killing people that they were close to or that they knew. So by extension, everybody else that we know, if you're still cool with this motherfucker, well, then you're not cool with me. So now I don't know who to trust except for my boys and that's all I would see is my boys and we I didn't go out in the streets it was just like if we want to kick it then we gonna have to find somebody with a spot and even then nigga I'm on my watch like like y'all may be relaxing nigga but I'm I'm on my shit for all of us because nah we're not about to take another loss like that 19 20 years old bro I don't have no kids and I'm, and I'm mourning one life after the other, after the other, after the other for the next five years. For the next five years, um, I would lose uncles. I would lose my father and I guess the reason that I'm opening this story up to y'all is because we may have things that we go through in life where we feel like we've come short, we've fallen short of our of expectations, whether it's expectations for ourselves or expectations that others put on us. We may have times in life where we feel like we're not living up to what we should. We have we may have times in life where we're so depressed that we can't see tomorrow. That we, that we can't see the surface. We feel so submerged that we can't see the surface. We don't know where this shit is coming from or when it's going to stop sometimes. But y'all, there's peace. There's peace out there. But the peace that we're looking for when we're faced with all of that shit, the peace that we're looking for is in us. But a sponge can only hold so much fucking water before you have to get that shit out. It can only hold so much. We're not meant to soak up all of this fucking pain of a lifetime 
or in such a short time soak up all it and just keep fucking going as if nothing happened we're not meant to be that way we're not robots we have to get this shit out you know we like if if it wasn't for kiss if it wasn't for the conversations with my auntie or with my great-grandmother or with my mother or those moments with my boys where it felt like you know what this is family right here this is this is I gotta protect these people and I know they're protecting me kind of shit when you have these moments of 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 genuine interactions, of genuine love, genuine human interactions. It brings you a sense of God. It brings you a sense of God. God has to be real. But if God is real, then so is evil. That shit has to be real if if God is real because if good if good is real well then there has to be a a balance can't just be all good it has to be a fucking balance so if God is real and I accept that what's gonna try to make me accept that the other shit is real like it's not enough just being aware sometimes sometimes that shit is in your face sometimes that shit is 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 attacking you out of nowhere depression is real and before we know it sometimes we're knee deep in that shit sometimes before we know it we're already self-medicating like I was saying I was drinking every day almost Um, not even to get drunk just to have something to drink just to fucking take that take that feeling of just to take that feeling to not feel I guess that's the best way to put it to not fucking feel to not be so aware of my fucking of my pain video games drinking fucking with females all of this shit I was self-medicating and I didn't know I was self-medicating I had no idea what that even meant at the time I just knew I was hurting Now, a lot of times, fellas, when we go through hurt, when we go through pain, we don't know how to express it. It comes out in fucked up ways, in ways other than I'm hurting. Help me. Hold me. Show me what to do with this hurt. Other than sitting with it, other than taking it out on somebody, other than blaming myself, other than hurting myself. Because we deep down, we we really want to live. Deep down, we really want to just be at peace. Do the work. Show up. Be a motherfucking man. That's what we want. Most of us. That's what the fuck we want. But are we being taught how to deal with how to process and how to move on from and how to let go of trauma because 
just one of those instances that I had gone through in those 10 months. This happened all within 10 months. Just one of those instances that I had gone through, that my family had gone through in those 10 months would have been enough for a fucking lifetime. A lifetime, that would have been enough. And it wasn't. For some reason, there was more to follow, more to come, uh, guidance. Because as these people are dying, these are people that I'm getting manhood lessons from. I'm not saying that these men were perfect. I'm saying that I'm getting lessons on manhood from these men. And now being in a position to where your leadership is being diminished, it's it's almost uh, it's almost a thing of, well, what do I need to do to pick up the slack? What do I need to do right now to pick up the slack? And that's a weight that we start carrying from the day we realize we're the man of the house. Or from the day that we realize nobody is going to help feed us. Or put on the table what we need on the table except for us. We're lacking right now. And if we don't know how to produce it ourselves, then we're at a place, we're at a point where we have to ask other people for it. And that's not a man. See, our, our our society determined that that is not what a man is. It, it, it determined that a man is someone that doesn't need help. A man is someone that doesn't ask for help. A man is someone that doesn't cry. A man is someone that doesn't need shit except for money and pussy. That's it. That's all we need. So whether we like it or not, that's how we're treated. And don't be a black man. Oh, no. Because then you don't even have feelings. Then you can't cry. You can't you can't express emotion, motherfucker. Who do you think you are to be sad? What? Be sad. Man, get that punk at. And this is how a lot of us were raised, man. Afraid to talk about the molestation. Afraid to talk about the violence. The domestic violence. Afraid to talk about these things that were impacting us as kids. What happens in this house should not stay in this house if it's hurting. You got to get the infection out. But you mean to tell me I can't I can't call the doctor? Suffering over here and I can't tell nobody? So when I grow up, who the fuck? So when I grow, so as I get older and I'm going through shit, I'm accustomed to keeping it in. I'm accustomed to holding on to that shit until it fucking kills me or drives me to kill somebody else. And then I've proven that I'm not human. I've proven that I have no emotions. Do you see how fucked up that is? So brothers I and sisters too, but brothers, I'm sharing this, this part of my journey with y'all because I was once lost. I was lost and through trauma, I found that I needed, I needed myself more than I knew. I needed to learn me. 
more than participating in the fuckery. I needed to learn me. See, the way that we're that we're raising these kids, a lot of that is going to stick with them. So that means that we have to be on a solid foundation. We have to be standing on something that they can stand on even when we're not standing next to them. Yo, shout out to everybody, man. My cousins, Derek and Eric, I love y'all and I miss you. To Uncle DK, Uncle Dennis, I love you and I miss you, man. Thank you for all of the all of the times I would run into you on Third Street and as a kid and 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 you would just keep me laced, man. Like like there was no time that I would run into you that it wasn't all good, that I didn't feel protected, I feel looked out for. And this was with or without Cletus around me. Shout out to my to my uncle Reggie. I love you and I miss you. Your laugh was infectious. It was contagious as shit, man. You could be having the most fucked up day until Uncle Reggie comes around. And you left a beautiful legacy behind because Mercedes is, her family is wonderful, man, and and, and they're doing good. Um, to my father, Pops, I love you and I miss you. Just as we were getting our relationship started. But I know your heart, man. I, know, I knew your heart and you were the one, of the, one of the most beautiful people I've ever met in my life. Thank you for giving me life. Brothers, we're at the point right now where this world is trying to show us that it doesn't need us. This world is trying to show us that it's come as far as it can go with us. And our, our job is done. We're no longer needed. And I'm here to tell you that that's bullshit. I'm here to tell you that you are needed, black man. I'm here to tell you that you are a gift to this fucking world. Even though this world doesn't fucking deserve you. It doesn't. It doesn't deserve the strength, the courage, the, the, the capacity that a black man has. It fuck because this world has, has to come a long way. Has to come a long fucking way. The hatred that we get. The jealousy that we get. The fucking, the, the, the abuse. We are all we got. We are, like my brother DS once said, our own agency. So please, each one, teach one. Each one, teach one. I love y'all, man. And um, I want to send a shout out to all the brothers incarcerated. I want to send a shout out to all of the brothers in mental hospitals. I want to send a shout out to all of the brothers who are on a journey right now. You got this, fam. You got this. And one uh, moment that's fucked up, whatever it is, it doesn't determine the rest of your fucking life. It doesn't determine who you are as a fucking person. You make that decision watch the signs man watch for the signs brothers because like I said God's got us 
whether you believe in God or not. You're being shown shit constantly. Just pay attention. Because every day, every day is a fucking gift to pay attention. Every day is an opportunity to pay attention. Man, love y'all. And until the next time, 